0: So, We are in week something uh, of foundations. These are five things uh, that are impactful and important to us as a church. And like everything, they are pictures that mean a lot more to us when we get into the context. So the context of everything that we're going to talk about is a personal relationship with Jesus. Without the personal relationship with Jesus, this is an exhausting to-do list. But with a personal relationship with Jesus, this gives us direct. This gives us kind of our our marching orders as a church. This is what we do. Because it's not just a statement. There's a context behind that. And so each week, we've had a picture that that demonstrates one thing, and there's a context behind it. So our picture for this week is the earliest picture that I can find in my phone of me, Anna, and Pastor Fred, the three of us together. And that's that. (laughs) That's that. That's the three. That's the oldest picture I can find of the three of us. And obviously, that's not what the picture is really about. The picture is about uh, almost 18 years ago uh, when we got married and Pastor Fred did our wedding. So our anniversary is tomorrow, like some nerd did a study. That's right pray for her. Uh, My life is amazing. But some guy did a study that said that January 24th was going to be the most depressing day of the year. The weather is bad. You just got your credit card bill from Christmas. You're just kind of in like the the nothingness between holidays and exciting things. So all that stuff coalesces around January 24th as being depressing. Not for us. We love it. It's a good day. So the context behind that isn't just the three of us together. It's our anniversary. It's a great picture. It's a moment of celebration for us. So behind all of these foundations foundations that we've looked at, there's a story, there's a context, there's a something there. And so today, what we're talking about, the foundation we're talking about, is our business. Our business is evangelism and discipleship anyone who's in any business, you know if it's good and you know if it's bad. Uh, I got two friends of mine who are in very different, like different from mine and different from each other businesses. One of them is a guy here who goes to Mountain View Sunnyside. He is a nighttime embalmer. So he's helped me and he's been in a like volunteer for lots of things. And there was a day a while ago where he called me in the afternoon. He's like, hey, I need to do an autopsy on a 400-pound person, which means lots of fluid going out and lots of fluid going back in. It's going to take a long time. I'm not coming to youth group tonight. I'm like, I have no clue what any of that means. So yes, cool. You be there. That's business for you. That's 400 pounds worth of business. That's good. Another guy uh, runs an auto body shop. And it was raining on a Sunday. And I used to be out greeting uh, when I was at the main campus. Seriously, it's the second funnest thing to do on a Sunday is to be on the welcome team. Because you get to be the smile of Jesus as people walk in. Funnest thing to do? Preaching. I got that. But there's space on the welcome team for you. So he comes in on a Sunday, and it's raining and body shop guy. He's all walking in fast and happy and stuff. I'm like, how are you doing? How was your weekend? He said, it was awesome. This storm brought five new wrecks to my shop. I am so excited. Yeah. That's great. (laughs) For you. (laughs) We know when business is good. We know what good business looks like. And there's a guy who, who writes about what this looks like for the church. His name is Paul. And my favorite thing about Paul is he's so applicable to so many people because he hated Christians until the day that he became one. So if you're here and it's like, these people are weird. I, I just want to try and figure this out. Paul is your guy. He was on the outside very much until the day that he was very much on the inside when he met Jesus. And he says this. These are the verses that are tied to our business. Business. In 2 Corinthians 4.15, he says, All of this is for your benefit, and as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving, and God will receive more and more glory. The previous chapter in 3.18, he says, "All of the, All of us who have had that veil removed so we can now see who God is can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image like I love that it's exciting it's dynamic you and I were running away from God we were living our own lives by our standards we were sinning against God which separated us from God because God is perfect we're not and God can't be in the presence of sin so God took it upon himself to rescue us from our sin filling us with the Holy Spirit which is God living inside of you and me and the result of that is that we are changed by his power that's amazing news That's good news. That's good business, and it results in God's glory. That sounds exciting. It is, and it has been for two thousand years because changed lives is church currency. All right, let me explain that. Changed lives is church currency. The Christian church for the last 2,000 years has been on the brink of extinction if the next generation doesn't pick up the mantle and carry it forward. The thing that keeps the church growing from Palestine 2,000 years ago with a room full of people to get to hear now is the fact that the gospel, the good news of Jesus, continues to change lives. Without lives changed, nobody cares, and we're getting ready for football. Like seriously, that is why you're here because there's some point something happened in someone's life, hopefully yours, where God reached in and changed things. You are now different because of what Jesus has done for you and that's why you're here. If that hasn't yet been you, there's somebody who God did enough in their life that they're bringing you every single week. Changed lives is church currency. It's not indoctrination that keeps things going. Like if, if for those of, for, like me, I grew up going to church every Sunday, unless you're sick, you go to church. And if nothing happened inside of me, indoctrination is going to end the moment that you move out of your parents' house. It's bigger than that. It's internalized. It goes the good type of viral inside of us. Where it's not just routine; it's life-giving. It's change that 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 makes a difference. That gets propelled through us to the next generation. One of the things that I pray for for my kids is hair. Uh, the second thing, um, <laughs> the second thing is that they're going to be better than me. And if you're a parent, like you, like you understand that, you don't want your kids to do the same things that you've done in your life. You don't want your kids to, to get broken over the things that broke you. You don't want them to just go to church and do all this out of rote routine. You want them to be better than you. You want to change the changed life that Jesus has done inside of you that got you to here to be command all, copy, and then paste it into them, but then better. Because changed lives continues to grow the church. Change lives keeps it going. There's a great verse. It's one of these, like, I love kind of the flyover verses, the verses where it is not going to end up on a poster at a game or anything like that. It's, it's something that has like one single line in it that changes so much. And there's one uh, in the book of Acts. This is when the church is super young, and it's totally chaotic, and there's a million things about it that are crazy, and the media team is going to put it on screen. And it says, the member of the council, those are the people in charge. Those are the people who just killed Jesus. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. Those were two of Jesus' followers. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. Like, here's the part where you do the sad trombone. But they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Like, the point in that is that there's something more. There's something different. There's something bigger than just, well, you read the Torah, and you do the Jewish thing, and you do all this. There's something about being with Jesus that changes our lives. This opens the door for your life and me and mine to be spent for the glory of God. That's the end result of those two passages that we read. When the veil is removed, we can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is spirit, makes us more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. All this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving. And God will receive more and more glory. The end result of our life, business is good as God receives glory through The people on TV, as God receives glory through the written Bible, as God receives glory, no, 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 through the busted up, broken, chaotic, sometimes barely holding it together, lives of his people. Why? Because we can be recognized as men and women who have spent time with Jesus, and that's changed us. So how do we do this? Foundations, again, I mean, they're they're pictures grounded in context. So our job is to contextualize this picture. Our job is to contextualize the business of evangelism and discipleship. So we're going to start with evangelism. And the question for all of us is, if you were to die today, would Jesus let you into heaven? Well, that sounds really serious. Well, it really is serious. If you were to die today, would Jesus let you into heaven? And behind all of this is the fact that God loved you, loves you, will love you. Every tense of the verb, God loves you. He loves you before you were born, before after you have passed away. He loves you before anybody had any idea of who you were. God, at the beginning, who stands outside of time, sees you and loves you. Not the better version of you, not the, oh, I got to get this stuff right, and then God will. No, God flat out loves you. And within all of our lives, mine included, there's sin that separates us from God. Again, like I said earlier, because God is holy, and God can't be in the presence of sin. The thing is, is that God wanted a relationship with you and with me So God sent Jesus into the world who took on human flesh without ever taking on human sinfulness. And so the reason, if you're just kind of checking out and wondering what Christianity is and all that stuff, the reason we have crosses everywhere is because the cross is where God traded places with you and with me. And Jesus hung on a cross, killing him to pay the sin debt, the death warranted sin debt that separated us from God. He substituted his perfect righteousness for our absolute brokenness so that we could have a relationship with God. The thing is, is that we have to make a decision about where we fall on that. Until then, it's information. But once we make a decision for it, that information begins to lead to transformation. And the way that we get into heaven is because we trade our sinfulness for Jesus' sinlessness. It's painted over our record. Our identity is hidden in Christ. So when Jesus, when God looks at you and me, he doesn't see the stuff we did in our teens and 20s and 30s and keep going as it hits your age. He sees Jesus. He doesn't see our own efforts to be perfect. He sees Jesus' completed work of perfection. And he invites him in because heaven is a holy, sinless place. And our sin has been paid for by Jesus. So if you're here today and you've never made that decision, I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of the service. And you can invite Jesus in your life. You can experience forgiveness today. Evangelism means the good news, the good news that Jesus saves us from sin. And you can say, man, well, I, I know all of that. I don't need to do anything. I've spent, you don't understand, I've spent years of my life in church, and we're good. Let me say this. I've spent years of my life at Taco Bell, okay? I am neither a taco nor Mexican, and some of you would say that's okay because Taco Bell isn't Mexican either. (laughs) There has to be a decision that changes things. There's a decision that separates our sin from us and brings the holy and holiness and righteousness of Jesus into our lives. And until then, everything else is just good works and knowledge. Well, I know about God, so do the devil. So do the demons. But it's a moment for us to say, I, this, Jesus has paid for my sins. I have a relationship with God. And that's changing everything. So that's the first way we contextualize it. The second way is by answering the question, how does your life reflect time with Jesus? How does your life reflect time with Jesus? Like, I love that in the verse that the media team put up a little while ago. The two people who are closest to Jesus, Peter and John, and there's a third one named James who wasn't in the situation Like, they had no problem reflecting who Jesus was because they spent three years following him, learning from him, doing the things that he was doing, and learning how to do life in a way that honored God. And so, Jesus is taken out of the picture. He ascends to heaven, and now they're left with his followers who still look and act and talk and love and sacrifice like Jesus did. This should be our method, this should be our MO. This should be the way that we live. And the thing is, is it wasn't task change that separated them. It was a heart issue. It was because the way that God had changed their hearts, it was now reflected and kind of broadcast through them onto the screen of the community in which they lived. And I think this is a word for us as a church. Because the biggest change that happened in them wasn't that they just stopped fishing. It was that their heart changed. So August 6th, 2017, when me and Anna and Tim and Robin and and some of you guys uh, went from main campus down to replant Mountain View Sunnyside as the team from Prodigal or team that became Prodigal left Sunnyside uh, and went to plant Prodigal Church. We walked in to an existing church where every single volunteer had left the building. We're walking into an empty house and knowing that every Sunday, guests are coming, so we need to get furniture and we need to make it look nice. Like, that was our MO for a really, really long time. And some of you have borne the emotional and heart and brain stress scars of, oh boy, something needs to happen. The word for us as a church Isn't that we need to do more stuff because we've existed on that hamster wheel for a really long time and done more stuff in like insane ways to just keep stuff going. And there's a moment for that. There's a moment for saying, we need to get from A to B. And so put it on your back. Let's get there. But the bigger moment for us as a church is for us to live out and reflect the glory of the Lord through our attitude, to grow in our heart, for a long time, we've run on just what needs to get done. And the thing is, for us to internalize, for us for us to contextualize this passage, this foundation, we need to come to the realization that our spiritual lives isn't that resilient. Us as Jesus followers, it's so easy for us to put it on pause, go on with the rest of the life. And the thing is, is that when we come back to God, it's not where it was when we left it because the rest of life will come in and it out and, and just stuff changes in us. We can never just pick up where we were. We always have to make up for brokenness and bondage that has come in in that place. So what I'm calling us to is to grow spiritually. Growth requires heart change. And I really think as a campus, we need a heart change. We need a heart change to do the things that are going to see and reflect the glory of the Lord and our attitudes and what's inside of us beyond a show that we put on on Sundays and, and whenever we gather and the events that we do and all that stuff. For us to see and reflect the glory of the Lord, it's not the actions of our hands. It's the attitude of our hearts. And I think this is what God's calling us to. We've heard about it for the last few weeks, uh, that there's this practicing God's power or PGP thing, a uh, group that's starting. Uh, and I look at it and I think, this isn't the sunny side thing. Like, this is a lot of contemplation. This is reading books, not just articles on my phone. And this isn't, like, this isn't us. But the thing is, is this isn't us as we sit right now. This is us where I want us to get to, where I want us to hunger for God, not just in we need somebody to take care of 10 a.m. pre-cake? Are you available? But, but stepping into, OK, man, I want my heart for the things of God to grow. I want my passion to follow Jesus to grow so that when we step into the tasks that need to get handled, it's, it's a desire to serve inside of us because we've already been fed spiritually. So now we can empty out of what God's already put in our hearts because it's heart-driven service not just task-driven service. For those of you who have weathered the last four and a half years with us to get to this point, you made today possible. Your willingness to serve on nothing in the tank got us to here. But it's kind of like the pioneers like going out west. Okay, like You, you live in the covered wagon as short as you can, and then you build a foundation and put up a stinking house because we're Americans. This is what we do. We need to get to the foundation in the house part for us for us to see and reflect the glory of the Lord. It's an invitation for us to step into doing something different, for us to grow our lives spiritually and to allow God to grow our lives spiritually. So what's it look like? In your bulletins, you have a like five-and-a-half by eight-and-a-half little paper. It's the thick one, um, and it talks about PGP, and, and there's lots of reading there, so let me just boil it down. It's a three-month thing from... January 30th to April 30th. um, And one week a month, we do our shape journal for the church. So you read three chapters, write down what you feel like God is saying to you. One night a month, we get together at church to talk about things that God is saying to us. There's no video. There's no like, well, we got to do this. We got to make it big, all this stuff. This is a you issue, bringing what's going on in your heart to God. And there's a book that we're going to read through the month. And immediately, some of you are like, no books. I know Pastor Aaron. And I know that his brand new baby boy, born on Wednesday, there you go. <laughs> that baby Sammy Garza at eight pound, nine ounces weighs more than any book I want to read and far less than any book that Pastor Aaron is going to read. <laughs> so you're freaking out, kind of like me. The thing is, is, is this is the book. It's a Ken book, all right? I'm thankful. I don't know if I can read that before the meeting on the 30th. We have a month to read this. That's all I'm talking about. This is a good thing. But what this is, this is an invitation into doing something different to grow something different in us. And on the first page, there's a bunch of instructions about how how to join this. And it's a moment for us to do something completely different as a church to work on our heart that motivates everything else. Are we still going to be evangelistic? Are you still going to do things? We're inviting people and trying to make services big. So that my friend who doesn't yet know Jesus but knows me can come. Yeah, absolutely. But beneath that, there's a foundation in your life and mine of discipleship, of having our lives reflect God's glory that's going to power that and motivate that and send that. And that's what I'm calling us to. I think that's the word for us as a campus today. If you're here and you're checking things out and you walked in on Insider Meeting Sunday and you're totally freaked out, this is what we're about. God loves us enough that he's calling for every part of our lives to be surrendered to him. And that isn't just something that takes an afternoon. It's something that takes daily repetition and doing the same thing over and over again because through that, God is going to change us, so that because of that, God can use you and me in your job, where things aren't perfect, but he's sending you there to be light in a dark place, in your home, where he knows how chaotic it is, but he's sending you as a refined, empowered vessel to change things so that through your family, through your house, you can impact people's eternity to create a hunger for him inside of you that's so big that the addiction that you've struggled with for years dies, not because you white knuckle it and everything changes, but because you love Jesus so much that it overcrowds the things that have kicked your butt since you've been a teenager. And that's what it means for us to see and reflect the glory of the Lord because it's worth everything. And through that, God uses us to change our community, to change our world. And that's the good news he has for us. Let's stand and pray.